Welcome to the Mark Scary Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guest tonight's adventures throughout the world of live and local music. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 20-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota Metro music scene. Check out MarkSterryMusic.net for upcoming shows, news, and info. If you'd like to toss a buck or two in the podcast tip jar, please visit Patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This week's episode number 320, dropping today on Tuesday, December 7th, 2021, is part one of two with keyboardist and musical director of the gold slash platinum selling group Lip Sync, known for their smash hit Funky Town, Ivan Rapowitz. We talk jamming with Bobby Raitt, Taj Mahal, and Edgar Winter, rocking the Minneapolis club scene, meeting up with Steve Greenberg, and more. Enjoy the conversation. Ivan Rafowitz, welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. How are you doing today there, Ivan? Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Yes, I've uh, asked Ivan a couple of times to try to be on the show. We finally worked it out. I come down to his beautiful music studio here. He shared with his son, and we're doing a little talking about Ivan's incredible music career. And uh, it's a beautiful studio here, and thanks, Ivan, for being on the show. My pleasure. Excellent. Um, so anyway... Uh, we were talking. We met originally when I was where I was playing a suicide prevention benefit for, with uh, Allie Gray and Joe Byers, and I don't know which we started talking or something like that. And here we had a mutual friend in Wags, mm-hmm. who is the owner of Pub Forty Two. His listeners would know I play at Pub Forty Two every single Wednesday, and Wags has been talking about Ivan for years. Um, and then I finally got to I was playing Wags's wedding, uh, his son's groom's dinner at the Calhoun Beach Club and I got to chat with you there a little bit and stuff as we set up the podcast talk about Ivan's career and and uh, you show me pictures of the band on the wall and when did you play the Calhoun Beach Club that was later actually I, that was in the uh, early to mid 80s I played there with a group that started as a three piece it was called Pyramid and it was myself and Bobby Schnitzer who's a local guitarist Excellent guitarist, played with Al Jarreau and many people. And uh, Dan Bernice, who was a really good uh, musical drummer and a good lead singer. So we started there, uh, kind of on a whim. They were just opening up the downstairs restaurant, and someone told them about me. And I hadn't been really had a group together for a while. And we started playing there, and uh, I had kind of a following from my years of playing, and we started packing the place. And then we added, I said, let's beef this up. And we called Melanie Rosales, who was working with Terry and Jimmy Jam at the time. They were trying to promote her, and they did an album with her. And we said, Melanie, you want to do a week? You know, at that time, it was uh, two days a week. Uh, we did move to three. So we added Melanie. And then we added Pat Mackin, who was a local sax player, fantastic player. Um, and uh, we ended up playing there for four and a half years. And actually, about... Halfway through that is when Mambo's Combo started at uh, Bunkers, and they're still going. But uh, we all kind of burned out after four and a half years at the Count Beach Club. But uh, we would pack them in. It was fun. All the, uh, a lot of the musicians, the national artists that would come into town would come and sit in with us. Uh, we had uh, Hiram Bullock come in, the guitarist. Um, he was with the Tonight Show. He was, he was touring. Uh, Bonnie Raitt came and sat in with us a couple times. Well, I'm near the end and I just ain't got the time And I'm 
Uh, our roadie, uh, Steve Rate, was married to our singer, uh, Melanie Rosales, at that time. So when Bonnie would come in town, she'd come down and sit in with us. And, uh, oh, just various other uh, national artists, musicians would come and sit in. So it was a very happening scene there for the time we were there. So I just got back from Deadwood, South Dakota, and I got to sit in with one of my favorite blues bands, a Brandon Sprague blues band. And I kind of just jump on stage and do our thing. So when someone sits in with your band, how, what you guys were doing, like when Bonnie Raitt comes, what did she play or did she just, you guys do one, four, five jammers or what? When Bonnie Raitt no. would sit in, what would you guys do? When Bonnie came down, well, we, you know, Melanie had a voice similar to Bonnie. And uh, she was a huge fan of Bonnie's. Obviously, it was her sister-in-law. And we already knew a few of Bonnie's tunes that we were doing at the Calum Beach Club with Melanie. So she came up, and uh, I remember coming. she came up on stage. First time she came up, she looked around at the band. She says, well, I've never been on stage with a better-looking band. <laughs> and we thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but we already knew a couple of her songs. So she just, we say, Mel, you know, here's what we know. Which one do you want to do? And she it was great. Uh, she was a wonderful lady. Okay, outstanding. Uh, so a lot of people... Um... Otherwise, if it was someone else... Like a musician that just came. Yeah. We even had the guy, Kataro from Japan. He was a kind of a new age artist that came down to hear us. And we had, oh, uh, Johnny Winters, Edgar Winter, actually. Edgar, Ed, Edgar Winter. Edgar Winter sat in with us. Yep. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of, we would just jam on something. With people like that, we just say, okay, here's, here's the progression. Let's just go. Wow. And I'd usually yell it to them as we were playing it. <laughs> so I'd yell them the changes and, you know, they'd pick it up pretty quick. So you were the band leader in, in this group? Yeah, I was the band leader. I picked, uh, basically picked the songs, wrote the charts. Uh, yeah. I ran, ran the lights with my left foot, played bass with my left hand. Uh, we never had a bass player in that band. Uh, many of my band, actually, uh, I could never find a bass player I liked in town. So I started, uh, you know, back then the, you had the synths that could really produce a lot of nice bass tones. So I started learning bass lines, not just playing bass like a keyboard player would play it, but I actually would listen to the actual bass parts. And uh, I had a couple good bass players that played with me before that taught me some things. Uh, and uh, so I would say, you know what, I, play, I can play bass on my left hand. Matter of fact, when I did some shows in town here with Taj Mahal, uh, he, I played I played left handed bass with him. Well, he actually had our band back him up at the fine line. For a couple shows, and uh, I played left handed bass. Matter of fact, I remember. The Steels were out in the audience and they came down the dressing room afterwards and they said, you know, we're listening to the band and we're looking around going, who the hell is playing bass? He said, and then they, we realized it was you playing bass with your left hand. They said we couldn't believe it. So it was good. Save money. You know. Taj Mahal is a big influence over my career. His really? blues and folk style. Mm-hmm. I did not know you played with him. What can you oh, yeah. describe? I'm especially uh, his song, specific songs, "Loving in My Baby's Eyes." Then uh, one of my dad recently passed away, and one of his favorite songs of all time was "Baby Going Fishing All the Time." We're going to fish into the, the Taj yeah. Mahal stuff. So, how was that experience working with him? 
It was it was cool. It wasn't my style of music at the time, actually. Uh, I was more into fusiony funk, and you know, I didn't really know who he was. But uh, we got he got an offer, you know, to he wanted to use us as a backup band. So we met at some theater. I think the Avalon Theater over on Lake Street for a rehearsal. We learned a set of his tunes, and I'm trying to think of what they were, but uh, they were who cool. Knows? They, yeah. they were cool tunes, and. And uh, yeah, we did a couple shows with them. Actually, one was uh, broadcast on uh, one of the local radio stations. It was a live simulcast. Really? Uh, yeah, and I have the tape of it somewhere. I don't know. Oh, so archives. cool! But he was. And then after we did that show, uh, a couple months later, he called me and wanted us to go on tour with him. But we had a steady gig, and I wasn't about to leave a steady gig to go on tour and share hotel rooms and maybe not get paid. You know, oh, yeah. so you know That's what I mean. I thought yeah. it, it's felt a little sketchy to me, even though he was a great artist. Uh, uh, but we turned it down. And... Well, I made it back from the Nordic North Shore of Lake Superior in one piece. Huge thanks to my black Jeep Cherokee I got from ID Chrysler. Went 250,000 miles, my old car just too much for that poor thing to take. I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler. And the staff can more help with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at ZombrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombrota, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8, 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler's Umbrella today and enjoy a safe winter season full of adventures and memories out in the open road in a new ride. I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area, the B-Dale Club. Located on the corner counter of B and Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is the truth. Anxious to hear Dan and Beth's new PA system down at the B-Dale. The last one, I guess, belonged to Christopher Columbus. Rob, Natalie, Shelley, entire bar staff are all stay there. Cocktail artists. As of late, my libation of choice is a classic Greyhound cocktail. And they are to quote 16-time world champion Ric Flair. Tasty Little Devils. Live music, pool table, pool tabs, bingo, bocce ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. My, my heroes, I guess, keyboard heroes... Back then and still now would be Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea, and those guys. And you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't be, I'd be, wouldn't get on stage with them because it'd be too scary. <laughs> really, I saw on Facebook you were covering a Chick Corea song on your page, or it could have been on your Yvonne page. Mm-hmm. And can you? T- I don't know anything about. I know Herbie Hancock and everything else. One of the greatest funk albums. But like, uh, what? Who is Chick Corea? Chick Corea is one of the greatest pianists, uh, jazz fusion uh, of all time. And he passed away about a year ago. Uh, and, uh, boy, I was I was doing his stuff, like, way back, uh, way back uh, in the 70s. I was covering his tunes because he had just come on the scene uh, with an album called Return to Forever, which you should check out. And this was back in the 70s. Great, great album. And I'm like, wow, this is great. And uh, in my bands, whatever band I had, we always would start the first set because back then it was usually a four-set night. And we'd always start the first set with instrumentals. And that was one of the key, a Chick Corea tune or a Herbie Hancock tune. Uh, 
was always something we'd, we'd start with in the, in the first set. And uh, when he passed away, I had just learned uh, one of his uh, iconic tunes called Spain. And it's, it's not, it wasn't an easy tune for me because of the timing, and I really had to pay attention to do it right. And I had just finished learning it, and then he passed away, and I thought, well, I'll do a minute clip of it, you know. Um, so, uh, which is what I'm doing now is, you know, uh, trying to challenge myself, learn tunes that I've always wanted to learn, but never took the time to really analyze and figure it out with uh, maybe uh, a little more involved chord structures. And, uh, you know, now I'm finding out, trying to figure out more and more what I'm playing between the chords. You know? Okay. So notes I play between the chords and the chords that I play between the main chords is what I'm working on now to be, to just to build the music better. What's the next song, your big challenge you're working on? I just started learning a bunch of Earth, Wind & Fire stuff. So, you know, I've, I've always loved that group. And uh, I've learned about three or four of their tunes. And, it, um, you know, the chord mel- it's chord melody. So on the piano, uh, I can sit down and play it, but I, you have to be able to play the melody. Uh, and uh, so that's been challenging, just to play them correctly. You remember? Because there are some nice changes that they put in their music. And uh, I think uh, David Foster, I think, even wrote a couple of the tunes for him. So I've learned a few of those, and those have been challenging in the sense of to do them right. And uh, not that I'm doing, plan on doing a solo gig or anything uh, in the near future, but if something came along, I do play when I'm in Mexico uh, at our place down there. There's a hotel that I, I have. I, can play pretty much anytime I want uh, that I'll do like two sets of a solo act when I'm down there and it's fun that's great yeah. I was playing I spent some time learning the Earth Wind and Fire song September yeah and so I do the the chords and the bass and I'd kind of the one man band mm-hmm. thing whatever there was a guy at my show in White Bear Lake a friend of mine Len and you just going like this listen to the song and it was kind of a quiet dinner mm-hmm. show and he goes he stops me after the song he goes he goes if you can't jam out to that, you're not alive. <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's a, the yeah, best. great. And I've also been working on some uh, Stevie Wonder tunes, like oh. Over, like Overjoyed. Some of the real pretty changes. Uh, I used to play a lot of his tunes in in my uh, bands that were mainly black members, except for me, uh, black musicians. Uh, and we did a lot of Donny Hathaway and and uh, Stevie Wonder and. Uh, uh, some of the other uh, Marvin Gaye, uh, that was a great band. That was another offshoot of one of my first bands, Alice and Bristow, which that band, Alice and Bristow, was my first band. Really, we played. We got our first gig at a place called Arturo's, and that uh, it was a supper club right across from Nice Polonaise, uh, in uh, North Northeast, and uh, that was my first gig. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was a guitar player played with a group called the High Spirits that had that uh, hit "Turn on Your Love Light." They did a remake of that. It was a little, kind of a regional hit again. He really good guitar player. Uh, he left to go out to play, work with Hughes Aircraft in L.A. But 
he got me started and he said, let's start a band for the summer. And uh, this was actually after I graduated college and I was on my way to law school and we got a gig at Arturo's. We found a drummer and uh, bass guys that played for a long time from White Bear Lake. And we got this girl singer who couldn't sing, but she had a lot of power. And but she'd always was off tune, but she could really scream like Janis Joplin. And we got this gig, and it lasted over two years, six nights a week. And it's really where I honed in playing with bands on stage. And uh, that evolved into the black band, Allison Bristow, the black musician version, which was uh, myself and Louis Derry from New Rochelle, New York, and Gene Williams and Donald Thomas, uh, all great players and. That's when I really learned how to play funk because these guys were so funky. The bass player in my rhythm section and it really honed me in. And we were playing the Cozy Bar in Northeast Minneapolis. There were like, uh, I think there were three black. There's the Flame, we'd play regularly, Cozy Bar, and I can't remember the name of the third one, but there were th- we rotated. And uh, we saw, I saw all sorts of shit, fights in front of my keyboard. And, you know, they would yell, who's that white guy up there? So they, the, Gene would always introduce me as uh, Ivan from Persia, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I guess if I was from Persia, then they go, oh, Persia, he's cool. He's not white. He's from Persia, you know. So as long as I was from Persia, it was cool. But that band lasted for a while. And then, uh, as I think, uh, Louis Derry got an offer from Gypsy, so he left. And that band also played places like the Triangle Bar in on campus. Uh, we kind of broke a lot of new ground. And my first band, Allison Burst, in the first version, we were a club band, but we played the home bar. Uh, the home bar was a place where hippie bands played. You know, you couldn't be a polished club band and play the home bar. But my friend who was kind of the manager, he booked us at the home bar and we were, they had never seen a band that polished and that powerful come into that club. And we just blew that club away. And people, I remember they were in these long haired guys were in the aisles bowing because they couldn't believe what they were hearing. It was fun time because, you know, it showed how practice and how, how, you know, we practiced all the time and we were really polished. But uh, anyway, that band evolved into the Black Alice in Bristow. And then I got a real job and stopped playing for a while, um, as a lot of musicians have to do to make ends meet, you know. And uh, that's when, around that time, I was pretty well known. I remember, uh, you know, we jam at apartments and I remember one day they said this kid sitting in the corner, this little kid sitting in the corner, Ricky Peterson. He said, you know who Ricky is? One of the Peterson, you know the Peterson family? In I've, oh, of yeah, course, Ricky, yes. he's played with everybody. He's yes. a phenomenal keyboard player. Uh, <laughs> he was a, he was a young kid. He's, I don't know, he's probably 10 years younger than me, maybe even more. And uh, he said, yeah, that's an up and coming keyboard player. Said, oh yeah, okay kid, you know. Uh, but I was pretty well known at that time in town. Uh, and that's about the time that uh, I ran to Steve Greenberg, who I kind of knew. He was a little younger, than, a couple years younger than me. Went to the same high school in St. Paul uh, in Highland Park. And uh, we, you know, we kind of talked. And he said, you know, I've got this record deal. And I'm looking for a keyboard player. I said, how would you like to come in the studio and do some work with me? So I said, oh, 
okay, that sounds good. I'm not opposed to you know getting paid. Anyway, so he came to my house where so I had a little studio. I was over by Lake Calhoun, and and uh, we worked on some tunes for the album, and uh, went in the studio and recorded it. And then I didn't think much of it, and then uh, the rest is history. I mean, he called me one day and he said, you know that's the songs we record. He said one of them is really, you know, really climbing the charts. And I said, no kidding, you know. So I went down to Hotlick Hot Hot Records, uh, and I had already had a straight job at that time. And uh, I went, I said, what's the number one song in the country right now on the Billboard? And he says, oh, yeah, you know, Funky Town by Lip Sync. And I go, what? Give me that. And I looked, I went, what? And then I called my friends in L.A., and I said, have you heard, heard the song? They said, are you kidding? It's on the radio constantly. And then Dave Moore, the old broadcaster, he did a special that week about the number one song in the nation, but nobody hears it here in Minneapolis. Never played here. It was never played in the Twin Cities. What? I don't know why, but it wasn't played. But after he did that thing on WCCO News, he says the number one song in the country, but doesn't nobody in Minnesota knows it. Uh, and then then they start playing it all the time on the radio. But um, and that was it. And then uh, Stevie asked me to. Uh, said you know the record company wants to put a band together to go on tour so uh he said i'd like you to be the musical director and you know hire the guys and put it together so i put together uh bobby schnitzer uh on guitar uh bobby vandell on drums terry grant on bass uh peter johnson was uh, another backup keyboard player he did a lot of the parts you know string parts and things and I was doing the main keyboards and then Cynthia Johnson, of course, you know, because uh, she had sung the song. So. And I didn't really know Cynthia at the time. Uh, but uh, anyway, we put the band together, went on, it was a tight band, went on tour, played, uh, I think the second album may have been recorded by then. Or I'm not sure exactly what songs we did on tour. I know we did Funky Town. <laughs> we did All Night Dancing, which I had a piano solo in that, God actually was critically acclaimed in some uh, periodic, some music magazines. And uh, we went on tour, had a great time. We never got past Mexico, though, because Cynthia Johnson's husband at the time created a lot of havoc <laughs> in the band, and we had to cancel the rest of the tour. It was supposed to go, we were supposed to go to Japan, it was supposed to be a world tour, but never got past Mexico. But we had a great time in Mexico. And uh, unfortunately for Cynthia's career and for the band, we just didn't work out uh, after that so came back recorded some other a few more albums uh, none of which really did a lot you know but it, it, it was a fun time 